Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. I've got to live such an adventure with my life. So God has an adventure waiting for you. Most of my best ministry times were outside of church. You don't have to be at church to do ministry. You do most of it effectively outside of church. But this is where we gather together to see each other, encourage each other, hear instruction in righteousness, and let our hearts sing together, making melodies unto the King. And it does something to the human soul. So I'm so thankful that you're here this morning um, with uh, summer being here. It's, it's usually a playtime, and lots of people want to go to the lake and go fishing and go camping and stuff. And that's, that's just phenomenal. So you do that and have freedom to do that. And, uh, and I'll be here. Last week we started on this, but it's about, and it really ties into what the Holy Spirit was doing earlier about blessed are the people that know the joyful sound. Whenever we go through circumstances in life and walking through them, and uh, man, this has been made way too much of in one direction and not enough of in another direction. But it's the understanding of what real spiritual warfare is and what that means. And there's been, I'm just going to tell you right now, there's been a lot of distorted teachings and uh, even distortions over the authority that we have and don't have. And people kind of get a little bravado over that and, and, uh, and get strange with it. And I've been meeting in meetings where we yelled at so many principalities, I don't know how they could even exist anymore. But, uh, and I don't know how much good it did against them. I suppose it did some good for me. At least it opened my ears and I was doing something with it. But I do know this, Paul's urging with our life in Christ. First of all, come back. I got to do a little pre-work with this. You have had an incorruptible seed planted in you when you received Christ. You received what's known as the divine exchange. God came to you, and whether you recognized it even through the prayer, when you laid your life down in him, he picked up your life in him. Does that make sense? There is an incorruptible seed where God dwells and it's in the spirit of man. And there was an exchange happened. Your old sinful nature, that part that was your spirit, did an exchange and you received the nature of God. Now it doesn't mean you are God. And don't let your head spin off into space. But you received what is Christ-like nature. You've probably been taught a lot through the years about becoming more Christ-like. 
And what we mean by that is a good thing, and you want to learn about Jesus, and you want to learn how to do stuff. Unfortunately, most of us were taught that with that, that there was an obedience issue, and in order to have a relationship with God, you had to obey God. That's not true. You obey God because you do have a relationship, not to get one. Obedience is not a goal, it's a result. Over and over and over again in our lives. And so that's why Paul in his writings wanted to lay this out for believers to receive. Now remember, this is by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So this is how we know it still applies to us today. Um, The letters that Paul wrote were letters to friends encouraging him. Did he know that they would become scripture? I actually don't think so. I think Paul understood the living word and the power of it. And when he referred to Holy Scriptures, he was referring to what he knew as a Jewish man of Scripture. I don't think he knew that when he was writing to Philemon that 2,000 years, he does now, 2,000 years later, believers would be reading it going, oh my God, this is so wonderful. He was just writing a letter to a friend to encourage him in the Lord. Maybe we need to do more of that. I'm not sure your words would become holy writ 2,000 years from now, but because uh, you don't have the same calling, neither do I, that Paul had. But I'm sure glad he wrote it. Because now today we have such access to how Paul was trying to encourage believers who didn't have that access. Just think of that. Nobody walked around with a huge scroll on their shoulders going, let me check out what Isaiah says. (laughs) It just didn't happen. And so he had to encourage them about their living relationship with the living God and who Christ really is. And then he writes it in these strange ways. He says, put on Christ. Well, is he a garment? He's using very symbolic language that he's saying, remind yourself of who Christ is and that he is an eternal seed in relationship planted in you. And to put him on meant to to water that, to, to help it to grow, to understand it. God doesn't need to be convinced that we're his. God knows who are his, the scripture says, right? He knows the sheep of his fold. He knows who we are. We don't have to convince God, hey, remember me? I'm still yours. He's going, I never forgot you. It's us that have to be reminded of it. And who reminds us? Holy Spirit, remind me of that, how much you love me. No, you remind you how much God loves you. That's the means of prayer. And that's the, uh, what Eugene Peterson says, you know, the long obedience in the same direction. Now, he wasn't talking about that you're obeying being this strict set of rules. He was talking about go for a long walk with God. Listen to him intently. Learn to understand what the nuances of his voice are. Get to understand, and this is all symbolic, get to understand what he looks at. Get to understand what he hears. 
Um, sometimes that means going for a walk and shutting the, taking the earbuds out and shutting the vineyard worship music off. Or whatever kind of worship music. I'm not picking on vineyard. And just hear. Hear the wind. Hear the birds. Hear creation. Hear the things that God wanted to listen to. Pretty amazing. Talk to him about it. Remind your soul. So one of the ways that Paul wrote that, and he found this, now you remember, Ephesians is packed. Ephesians is like Romans. It is so packed from chapter 1 all the way up to where he starts this passage of Scripture in chapter 6 that says, finally, my brothers. Okay, so uh, he knew he had written a whole lot. He's sort of like my friend. Do any of you follow John Lynch on his like uh, Facebook page or John Lynch Speaks or any of that? I was telling Brenda, John Lynch can say more in a paragraph than a lot of guys can do with a chapter or a book. He just has that succinct way. Paul was like that. There's so much packed into Romans or to Ephesians up through this chapter 6. But hear this. He thought this was really important. This is after he'd urged them to walk in a manner that was worthy of what God had put in their life, worthy to have relationship, worthy that there was an incorruptible seed planted in them. And he said, he takes them back, you go back to chapter 1. I'm sorry, this is I can't un. I can't not do Ephesians. Starts with what God did and thought about us. His intent for us as people before the foundations of the world. Before he said be to Mount Everest, he had you in mind. Now remember, he's outside of time. He's in eternal life. He has no beginning, no end. He doesn't have just everlasting life. He has eternal life. No beginning, no end. And before he said, mountains be, he was going, oh, Teresa. He was saying somebody's name. He's thinking on them. How does he do that? He's God. He ain't you. He's way different than us. He's way bigger than us. And he takes them all the way and then he reminds them in Ephesians 2, look, you've been saved by grace through faith. And even the faith that you have isn't from you. Do you understand all of this was a gift from God to you? And he goes into chapters 3 and 4 and telling them people really how to have a walk that's pleasing to God. And what it looks like to go in the same direction for a while. And how he gave people to help us along with that journey. And that he gave, he said he gave gifts to, to mankind. And they were instructional to our souls. And then in five, he starts talking about the other relationships. And he goes, husbands, quit trying to be jerks. Love your wife the way Christ loved the church. Man, it's just so talks to us about marriage, about work. And then he gets to this wonderful part in Ephesians 6. Listen to it again. Read it with me. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. That means that you can be a brethren and not be strong in the Lord. So he's trying to encourage you. He's going, be strong in God. 
And he's going to tell you how to do it. In the power of his might. Not of yourself. You can't make yourself be stronger. Where does the strength come from? God himself. Put on the whole armor of God. Now he's using a symbolic way of saying the same thing where he urged them earlier to put on Christ. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places that are speaking their nasty lies over all of humankind. That was my little, that was parenthetical. That was Lloyd's loose alliteration. Therefore, because we know that that happens, and we can see, John said it this way, we can see that the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. All you have to do is hit one news app. By the way, I've, I, this is me being arrogant and proud. I got my looking at, the, <clears throat> at my smartphone down by 75% this week. I told my wife I'm watching news and looking at the news apps too much, and I asked God to strengthen me with it. And by God's help, I did it. Oh, just makes me so happy. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day. Is today evil? Does it feel evil? Does it make you think evil? Are you depressed? Well, no. Though it's evil. Therefore, having done all to stand, stand. I, you know, when I think about this, I do everything to stand except pray this scripture. I get caught in trying to stand on my own instead of trying to stand the way he's instructing us how to be able to stand here. Because he says, you can stand here if you do something. Put on the armor of light. Put on what you know about God. We're going to get there. Having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith with which you are able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints." This is a prayer similar to teach us how to pray. This is Paul's version of it. And he's saying when you pray and if you have to stand against evil and stand in an evil day, the best way to do that is take a few minutes to put on Christ. To put on the armor of God. It's not a lengthy prayer. Matter of fact, you can do it and probably... I think the quickest I've done is probably three minutes. Uh, seven to ten. Three when I was scared and I really needed his help. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. I put on the help of salvation or when you're being tempted. 
But what if we don't understand what it is, and this is going to require you, you'll need to look up a few scriptures on your own if you really want to do this. But I'm going to show you how you can do it. It's you follow the simple steps that he laid out. Do you have to do it in the order that he did it? No, not at all. But I know this. Uh, girding your waist with truth is one of the best starting places. Why? Because your spirit lives in truth. Your spirit has the truth of God because God is truth. The reason in symbolism that it's around your waist is in the Greek world, they believed that was where the spirit dwelt, in the innermost parts of man. And so Paul says, well, having uh, take up the belt, is, is the old King James language, put on the belt of truth. So it wraps you right around the middle. So truth is girded on you. So you walk in truth. Um, and it really, it really works well when you find scriptures about truth and you tell yourself one to three truths about your life in Christ. That's how you put it on. So, bear with me. I'm walking with the Lord and none of you are there, but you're getting to watch. I'm going for a walk in my driveway and I've been worshiping. And I say to God, and God now, I just want to, Put on your whole armor this day to lead me and guide me. So I begin with right now putting on the belt of truth. I tell myself this morning and I say to every principality that's around me and hears me, I walk and live in truth. Christ dwells in me. The word of God says it. And it's the truth about my life that there's been an exchange I am a righteous man this day because of how you made me when you made me new. And I put that truth around my spirit to guard and protect me, to remind me all day when the lies come that I can know truth, assess truth, find truth, live in truth, walk in truth, declare truth. Now that took a grand total of about two minutes. Maybe not even that. Maybe 90 seconds. But it's the beginning of putting on the armor of light, reminding myself. It's the long walk in the same direction. And God, now I put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now this, we all know from the old Roman armor what that did. Did your kids grow up with the armor of God? You went and bought all that plastic stuff and, and paid $97 for something that had about three cents worth of plastic in it? because it had the armor of God, and boy, it was powerful. Well, you did need to get that truth to your kid, though you weren't walking around praying those things. No gig there. So it was a, bre what did the breastplate do? What did it cover? The heart, the upper area that would get attacked. Where's heart? In the Greek world, that was the realm where emotions and feelings dwelt. It's where they felt more than they thought. It was the things that they went through where they felt sorrow or pity, anger, pain, where they really felt this. And it's called a breastplate of righteousness. Why? Because we're actually most, 
when we sin, when we fall, we're most attacked in our feeling than when they are with our thinking. Matter of fact, I would venture to say most of you aren't tempted by your thoughts. You're tempted by your feelings. And then that feeling gets attacked. The condemnation we feel, I can know the truth in my mind of God's words and not feel it if I don't understand that he has exchanged my righteousness, my unrighteousness, for his righteousness and that it's a guard over my heart. I spend so much time doing this. Um, I tend to be, and I become more, and, and sometimes that's really good and sometimes it's not so good. So my, one of my greatest strengths is I'm sensitive. One of my greatest weaknesses is I'm sensitive. So uh, I can get caught by feelings. So this has been a mainstay for my life. So as I'm walking along, you get done putting on the belt of truth. The truth is God's word, and I've just wrapped my whole spirit in that. Everything about you is true, God. And now I put upon my shoulders and over my feelings and emotions your righteousness. It says I can know peace because you have justified me and I believe what you did. I can have peace with you and that with it is a righteous gift that's not dependent on how successful I am or unsuccessful I am not. So this day, I envelop my emotions with the gift of your righteousness. And this is where I quoted to you earlier, Psalm 89. This is where I use that a lot. Blessed are the people that know the joyful sound. And I start telling myself that. You are a blessed man because God has covered you, enveloped you in his righteousness. And even when your feelings get in the way, nothing takes it away. Nothing can separate me from the righteousness of God. I am a righteous man on the earth. And this my soul knows right well. And so those are my prayers as I go, go through that part. The third part is this, having shod your feet with the gospel of peace. It's really, this is praying the peace of God over every place you have to go that day. That's why it's a good morning prayer. This is a wonderful scripture to pull out and have a meaningful devotional prayer in the morning. God, every place I go, you've given me everything necessary for godliness. And no matter what happens around me, I walk in your peace. With that, I can have discernment where I go this day. I can discern when things are right and when they're not right. I can know when to turn around and say, feet don't fail me now. This is a bad place to be. So you guard me and protect my feet. And you, you have a design for me that there are paths of righteousness laid out for me this day. And you'll shine it. You'll make it very clear because your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And with that, I can be enveloped with your peace. Keep me out of stuff I shouldn't be in today and help me to say every word of peace that you want me to today. So you've just said another prayer. 
You've just prepared what, how you're going to walk out the day. Now listen, this isn't, this isn't something you learn to do this as you get older. I want, want all you young people to hear me in this. You can pray this prayer, and it is a powerful prayer to help children know and walk in the armor of light and who God is. And it's not a game. It's not a role play. You're really doing effective stuff. And so you're doing everything that God would want in your life. And he's so, you can, when you get done praying these things, you can be so delighted in yourself. Now, many adults know this, and they can try to, often try to convince you that it's something else. But I will tell you this, there is, and oh, if you're under the age of 20, please hear me. There is no better feeling for a believer than to know that they walked in obedience. It, it, and you can delight in that. And God doesn't get upset. You're being a little arrogant there, Lloyd. No, I walked with you to, today, God. And I didn't do the bad thing that I was tempted to do. Rejoice in that. He's not wigged out. He's not going, oh, peewee, I'm going to have to take you down a couple of pegs. Rejoice in your righteousness. And the fact that God empowered you to walk in peace that day. You got mad at your brother and you didn't say anything. Wow! That's a win. That's a win. You mark it down and you go, man, the Lord was with me in that one. Next thing you do is you take up the shield of faith. A lot of misunderstandings about this. Faith is what we believe. And it's about a declaration, therefore, of what you believe. When you take up the shield of faith, it's not something pretend. It's your theology. It's what you believe. And it, it's, it's applying what you believe in a daily life. And it's God who makes the shield a shield. It's your faith that picks it up, but it's the shield that is a result of God in your life. Does that make sense? This is, this is something you don't have to make up a shield. You don't ever have to make a, and I circle, you know, I used to pray those, I circle it roundabout and I enlarge this, and, and I don't think God was ever wigged out over that. But whenever thoughts of ungodliness try to strike into your being, hold up what you believe. Hang on to it. Now, obviously, we're all going through some stuff and, and the Lord ministering to us being, maybe even being a little bit downcast today or suffering with, with by the way, it's not, you're not a bad person if you have depression. Not bad at all. David wasn't a bad person. He had it. Uh, it's just none of that is true. <laughs> when lies come to strike into your being, they are most often centered in something, your identity. Doesn't matter if you're young or old, but this especially happens when you're young, and this comes to great heights when you're a teenager. Because you're, you're finding out who you are and you're finding yourself. But it carries over into adult life. 
And this is where you have to hold up what you believe to be true about who you are. That's the biggest circling of faith. Faith is what I believe to be true about God. And faith is what pleases God. So when I declare to God who I am, and I declare to God that what He has to say about me is truer truth than even the words I say over myself, then really it becomes my testimony. I belong to God. It's simple. This morning, Lord, I hold up the shield of faith. I belong to you. I'm in you. I have a good life to live. I'm not a liar. I'm not a cheat. I'm not a thief. I'm a righteous person in you. You have declared over me that I think well. You have declared over me that I have good works to do. You have declared over to me that I am accepted in you. The world hates that. The world hates that, God, so help me, protect me. And as I lift up my faith, let it become a shield that stops all those wicked lies that are trying to get me down about me. Boom. You're protected. That means your prayers now matter. The shield of faith thing's really a thing because it's about halfway through this. And the reason it's halfway through this is because you start getting a little bit shaky because you think you know you better than God knows you. You want to see yourself as weak. God sees you as strong. When you declare it, that shield gets enlarged. Just like David said in Psalm 18, you have enlarged the path under my feet. I shall not stumble. Why? Because he's good at walking? No. God enlarged the path under his feet. Man, it's incredible. I have to increase my faith. No, you just have to have a gift of faith. God will be the increase. Does this make sense? Helmet of salvation, huge. About your thought life and the truth about the gospel of grace regarding how you think. I have watched people so misuse this helmet of salvation thing. And is it a declaration of God's blood over your thought? Yes, but there's a greater declaration. And Paul wrote it to the Corinthian church. He says, because the incorruptible spirit is planting in you, you now have the mind of Christ. You, you, can, you can actually know what the mind of the Lord is. And you can actually think godly thoughts. That was such a win for me back in the day. <sighs> I thought well that day. I didn't think of any ungodly things. I didn't say any bad words. God's going, you don't get it. He says, you and I can think together. You can have my mind. You can put up, because of my salvation, because you can belong to me, you can think better than you've ever thought before. You can be, think big, deep thoughts. And I'll show you. I'll speak them into, I'll give you my mind. You know, well, I'd like to give them a piece of my mind. Well, God wants to give you a piece of his. He really does. He wants to plant his thoughts into you. That gives, that's the only hope I have over, over politicians that I deeply dislike and mistrust right now, is I can have the mind of Christ 
and go, while they were yet ungodly, Christ died for them. And he paid the price that they might become righteous. Because that's the only way I can get there. So it, and, and the other thing is when that truth comes in, into the fault lines of our own thinking, the reason I want to go, I put on the helmet of salvation, is that that helmet covers the strongholds that I can have trapped within myself. The thoughts of Christ regarding strongholds are greater than the thoughts of you. Paul wrote about this in 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians too, but we can cast down arguments and we can bring down strongholds that vault themselves against the knowledge of God and bring them, think about your mind. You want full obedience? It says you can bring them to the full obedience of Christ, of what he did. Not even your own obedience. He obeyed perfectly for you. And you can put that on as a thought, as a helmet. And then you can take up the sword of the Spirit. Uh, Paul says, <laughs> which is the word of God. Now, it's really twofold. Yes, it's your Bible. That's really important. But it's also the living word. Having the living word as a sword. Um, without that comprehension, you won't understand the written word as well. What are you saying? It takes the living word to understand the written word. We were taught that backwards. We thought we had to have the written word to understand the living word. But actually... It's the living word coming inside your being that actually you can, and how do you know that? How you're just saying that? Well, have you read your Bible lately and something jumped out at you that you never saw before and you go, I've read that a hundred times. Well, that's because the living word highlighted the written word so that you could get a revelation that would kiss your faith and now you know something. It's sharp. It's like a sword. Divides between soul and spirit. And it lives in us to help us to understand his word. Lord, I want to know you better. Ask that the living word of God would sharpen and heighten the written word the next time I open it up. And that it wouldn't be boring peas and porridge. That it would be life and goodness to my soul. You can do this every day. It's so easy. Seriously, eight-minute prayer walk. Eight minutes before I get ready to go to work. My life's so busy right now. It's as busy as you make time for. We all have that. Life's horribly busy for all of us. I'm not too busy to go for a long walk in the same direction. Neither are you. The enemy tries to trap you with that. Forget brushing your teeth. Say a prayer. I'll slay them with the breath of my mouth. So what? You might speak life from the prayer that you did with God because you're putting on the armor of light. You're a truth bearer. You, you are the light of God on the earth. 
what we don't know is this until we start praying these kind of prayers a whole lot I in God I am God's intent and purpose for this life you believe me Brenda does I got one yes she listens to me every morning <laughs> would you take your Bible out and no that's not how we do it we drink a cup of coffee and start talking God has an intent Paul wrote about it in Ephesians 4 and it's so that you are his glory here on the earth and to the powers and principalities he wants both the now this living this life right here and now and all of the future stuff are one and the same to him and your is his intent in his purpose here on the earth. Isn't that stunning? That he's revealing through you his glory to that thing that that Hubble telescope's trying to tell us what's out there. He says, to the unseen realm, I am declaring that this, this, Randy is my intent on the earth on May 29th, 2022. Whew. Suddenly, my obedience is not a goal, but it is an act of God's intent on the earth. What a game changer. Lord, we receive this this morning. Lord, I, I didn't even understand all of what I was saying. Would you help me? Would you bring it into my being, our being, in such a way? Would you make us an unusual people? Make us grace people. Make us the honor your word says. Speak to us and through us and use us. Help us to remember to pray simple prayers of faith. Help us to walk in the armor of your light. Lord, we can't do this on our own. This is life. So it takes your life to produce life. So we yield our hearts this morning. Lord, if there was one word that was spoken that brings life, you won. <laughs> and now, God, we say by faith, we know you're going to use us this week. We know in the delight of our hearts that one word that comes through us that helps somebody else is what we live for. Lord, we live by your word. By every word that proceeds from your mouth. We're like trees planted by a stream whose leaves shall never wither. And the words that you send into us They'll prosper. They won't return to you void. They will accomplish your will. I can be the accomplishment of your will this week in Jesus' name. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be so gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you.
give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you bless each other?